What's up, everybody? This is the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the recovering addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. All right, guys. Um, let's start with let's start it right off the bat with a review that we got this week. Um, it says. So I'm the worst kind of addict. I'm the guy who can get addicted to anything. At my worst, I lived a little more. I lived on a little more than opiates, alcohol, and sex and porn. Even food didn't matter to me. I threw away a very high-paying career and almost lost my wife and kids. I went to rehab for double the time of most alcoholic addict folks. When I completed my inpatient treatment, I had no idea what to do about my marriage. Most alcoholics are told to focus solely on the chemical side of their addiction. This philosophy suggests that porn and unhealthy sex are fine as long as chemical recovery is maintained. But what about my marriage? Most guys who are like me have absolutely crazy marriages that are toxic, abusive, or at best miserable. My wife found this podcast. God gave it to her so that she could give it to me. It saved my life and my marriage. Words could never express my sincere gratitude. I rely heavily on the tools and resources in this podcast, daily AA meetings, and celebrate recovery. I also go to group, individual, and marriage therapy. The process has been cheap. The process has not been cheap or easy. However, I will soon be celebrating one year of true recovery in all areas of my life. My wife and I are developing a better marriage than I ever dreamed possible. If I can recover, anyone can recover. There is hope. That is my honest review. Thanks for saving my life. Love you guys. Wow. wow. That was rad. Yeah. That's super awesome. meaningful, actually. That just... Thank ma- you. It makes my day. Honestly. And, and thanks for sharing your own story. I, I mean, I know it's just a review, but it, that's awesome. Yeah. Super rad. I spent the first um, several years of my career treating drug and alcohol addiction. And so my I have a soft spot in my heart for... People who are struggling with drug and alcohol, and 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 most people who s- suffer with drug and alcohol addiction um, struggle with sex addiction as well. So I really like how he says in there, um, you know, sobriety does not fix a marriage. Sobriety does not um, solve everything. And he still had his marriage to pick. He had to pick up the pieces there, mm-hmm. and he's doing it. And that's and awesome. Celebrating. And, so, and he sounds humble that. and grateful, and you can feel recovery from that. So, yeah, celebrating awesome. a, and soon we'll be celebrating a year of true recovery in all areas of my life is what it says. Yeah. So, I mean, congratulations to you. Um, we're out there listening. I'm sure you're listening now. Just know that, um, as you're listening right now, like we're just celebrating you. So congratulations yeah. to you and your partner. That's yeah. rad. Awesome. Okay. Let's jump in. Uh, we're talking about sex today. And we're just we're talking about sex after betrayal. So we've had lots um, of requests for this. Yeah, it's a it's a topic that comes up a lot, and it's a complex topic um, with a lot of different. So we, we won't we won't get to everything today about it. I guess I'll let's say just say that, that. From, from the get go. Um, but we can maybe break down um, just some of the major stuff uh, when it comes to your sex life after betrayal. So the first thing I want to address is what happens with betrayal trauma. So. And everybody's different. Every relationship is a little bit different. But if you think about betrayal trauma, um, if if your spouse lies to you about something, that that hurts. But when they break certain bonds 
in terms of, of your marital relationship or your commitment, it, it hurts even worse. And so, um, there's, there's multi, we call it multidimensional trauma, um, when it comes to betrayal trauma and that in that multidimensional trauma, it really affects sex life. So let me explain a little bit. I'm just part, these are just some parts of that trauma. Um, gender wounds is, is a part of that trauma. So a woman feeling like I'm not, I'm not woman enough. What's wrong with me? Um, that's common after betrayal. Um, another, um, another source of trauma is, uh, is sexual trauma. So what happens is after betrayal, they think, gosh, when, when I was engaged sexually with him, um, was he with me? Um, was he using me? And every time she felt used in the bedroom, it, it exacerbates that. And so, um, and then there's just the basic trauma of, of the reality fragmentation, the lies, not knowing what's true and what's not true. And so the broken trust and, and, and the, the lack of safety in the relationship does not support intimacy, right? So this is pretty obvious for me to say, um, but betrayal destroys a healthy sex life, right? Yeah. Um, and so how, how then do you start to pick up the pieces? And um, if you guys could maybe speak to your experience with it a little bit. What do you think? Man, what was going through your head as he was explaining all those things? I was just thinking, oh, man. I think number two specifically was like, um, I think was particularly pertinent, I think, just to start. Like, is he with me? While he was with me or while he is with me, is he with me? Yeah. Or oh, yeah. is well, someone else in the bedroom with us in his head? For sure, because I knew you lived in fantasy and I knew – um, the relationships that you'd had were very much in this like make-believe relationship life, right? And totally. so uh, that was a question I asked a lot was, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel safe because are you really with me? Yeah. And it never felt, um, I don't know, it, I absolutely relate to that. And mm. um, when it even went to the place of comparison with I'll never ever be like the women that you right. watched. Right. That's not real. Can you, you know? live up to the to the you know the way they objectify the women right. in the porn and the, the fantasies that they create there? You can't, right? It's so. it's. I mean, it, it, it's manufactured sex. I mean that, and that's and that's manufactured. Nothing close to connected or authentic, or even there's there's no love in that word either. It's it's really just just it's an lost. act, right? But here's the thing: so betrayal trauma is. It's it's complex and and to to just call it all betrayal trauma I think kind of does a disservice totally. because there's a difference between betrayal in terms of if I if I go have sex with another woman just purely purely out of lust then um, sorry about Kobe's phone guys <laughs> we don't edit I'm Remind that guy me. I'm that guy in the podcast I think that's the first actually <laughs> sorry. So, so, okay, so think about this. Um, don't think about this too much because I hate this example. But if I go pick up a prostitute and have sex with her, um, I'm betraying my wife, correct? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. If I um, start a long-term relationship with an old friend and we were texting each other, calling each other, sending each other valentines, talking about our kids and having sex, I'm betraying my wife, right? Right. Okay, so those are two 
very different things. Right. So we call it betrayal trauma. Um, after either one of those happens, it'll probably destroy my sex life with my wife in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. But it'll, it'll be a little bit different for her depending on, one, her background. Two, you know, the, the nature of the betrayal will, will change the way she responds to it. Um, you know, like I, I, I'm working with some people and I have worked with people who he, he slept with a prostitute and she is understanding and she sees his addiction for an addiction. She's not taking it personally and he's not sleeping in their house right now. Um, or he's been out of the house for a while because she still needs a break, even though she has compassion for him and his addiction because it's still betrayal, right? So what am I? What do I mean with all of this? What I mean is to to just say betrayal um, causes problems in your sex life. That's obvious, but it causes um, unique problems and individual problems according to your relationship, according to what the nature of the betrayal was, right? And so to fix it is complex. To to start to rebuild the safety and the trust in the in the relationship, um, it it takes an amount of, of work. Luckily, the principles behind fixing it are pretty much the same, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, one of the thoughts that comes to my mind when, just in talking about this is um, that I would like, like words, the way that I would talk during sex, the, the specific words, just on like anatomy, for example, would, I, I, I know for sure were, were super triggering for you and indicators of like, yeah, you're like, this is obvious. This is coming from porn right? because it, um, it was, it was just modeled after that. Right. Would you agree with that? That Right. And what did Amy call it? She said, your, your verbiage that you use for a lot of intimacy words are very um, juvenile and addict crude. Like you're in addict mode when you use those words. Yeah. And it was very interesting to me. That was one of the first steps that we took is just showing respect for my body and mm-hmm. for who I am. Mm-hmm. So somebody than- who's viewing massive amounts of porn or a lot of porn mm-hmm. um, becomes desensitized to, to that and somehow then thinks it's okay to, to start saying certain things. Right. Um, and, and you're desensitized to it. So you think, oh, this is funny or this is okay or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're saying things or asking for things that are like, what are mm-hmm. you, are you serious? It, it's it's right? like losing sensitivity for the most sensitive and intimate right. relationships within a marriage. And that certainly was me. And I would also say too, one of the things that always existed with me was, um, what I would just grope oh, and yeah, grab you. For sure. Which I think a healthy marriage. I mean, you can, you can enjoy that, physical, right? You can tease healthy, and play yeah. and yes. healthy sure. physical touch is a normal right. thing. Right. It's an important thing. We can do that now and it's different, but in the beginning he was just groping and right. it was not, and it I wasn't love in it. There was no love. It was really just like, I need some of that Almost right like now. Your body <laughs> is there for my consumption yes. and I need it now. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That really was. And so that was one of the, I remember like early as it relates to this specific topic, that was one of the early things that, that it took, it took Amy our really therapist. helping me, uh, Amy Anderson, our therapist. It took her really, she wasn't like slapping me around with it, but it was like, hey, Kobe. Hello. There's, there's, there's this thing right in front of your face that you're not seeing. Right. And once I really owned that, 
it was like, oh, but it wasn't just a matter of like saying, okay, I won't do that anymore. It was a matter of realizing where that was coming from, but also what the message was to Ashlyn. And being mindful, right? Yeah. And I was, I was mindless on, on <laughs> an infinite number of things <laughs> right? In, in, in just in life. But that was one of those things that, um, that, was, that was super obvious, but was low-hanging fruit right. and made a difference once. It was like, I need to be really mindful of this. Right. Um, like, again, multidimensional trauma, meaning there's dimensions to this trauma. Like you, you know, in the bedroom saying certain things, yeah. pressuring her, making mm-hmm. her feel weird, yeah. um, uncomfortable, still feeling like she might need to engage. Like it's a very uncomfortable thing, right? Yeah, for sure. You going up and groping her just because you're entitled to, to her, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very um, sex addict um like activity self-serving right? self-serving lust-based activity right totally. which is traumatic to her as well right, right? and so it doesn't foster trust it didn't i wasn't safe at all for you in that way right. right you know sometimes when when wives it's you know it all comes out the discovery of the affair or the or the, the porn addiction they're they're kind of relieved in a way sometimes because it's like oh now i get it now I know why he's been acting that way. Yeah. And it Was makes a lot more you? sense to me now. For sure. Yeah. Some of the behaviors, yes. Yeah. For sure. It's not relief in terms of like, yay, my husband's <laughs> a porn addict, but it's like, oh. It just added, makes it sense connected now. some dots. Yeah. <laughs> I get what's going on in our bedroom now because, mm-hmm. yeah. He's- I would also say too that um, for me, as far as like a misdefinition misdef- of sex, um, during addiction, sex was this stress relief for me. Mm-hmm. It was a way to cope. And it was a way, if I was stressed, then that was the thing that helped um, alleviate some of the stress. Sex is a coping mechanism for your emotions. Indeed. Yep. Indeed. There, there's a, a belief that most sex addicts have, which is sex is one of my greatest needs. I need it to, to deal with life. <laughs> sex and air yeah. are two in the sex, same. Sex, air, food, yeah. <laughs> water, water, all that. Like you, I yeah. remember when remember Amy that? told him, like, you actually don't need sex to live. And he was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I'm sure right. I came home and was like, you cannot believe what Amy just told us tonight. And and I and, but I really thought that was it. And, and I think this what this really is an indicator of is how emotionally stunted and immature I was from such an early, early age right. where my emotional maturation stopped probably right at age seven when I was first exposed because that became an escape. Porn became an escape for me as a little boy. And it never stopped until I found proper recovery. Right. Because it was like whatever derivative of sex that was, whatever outlet, sexual outlet I could I could obtain became the outlet for emotions that I couldn't recognize or face. I just wanted to run from them. Right. And so because of that, I mean, I used to think that sex equals love, but it was, it was far worse than that actually, because it was like stress relief. Then, then there was a different, there was, um, a different approach and certainly a different feeling that I can recollect of it, it just being this big emotional workup, but, but it was totally void of love and of sensitivity and of like this, with partnership. Think what that does. Just for a minute, let's stop and, and really try to empathize and think what that does to, to a spouse who, like, like, all of a sudden, they become um, your thing that you use to soothe yourself. Yeah. So sex becomes, you know, you're stressed, and so you need to use her so that you're okay. Sex becomes selfish. It becomes entitled. 
it becomes something that they feel obligated to give you so that you'll be happy so that you won't be grumpy and it's you know sex for them is 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 all about healthy sex is about something that they enjoy and some their sexuality is just as important as as yours is right then all of a sudden that completely gets wiped out when the sex addict is coming to them saying sex is my greatest need i need it to feel okay i need it to deal with my stress my loneliness my anger my tiredness my yeah. whatever right and sex becomes something that is not enjoyable in the relationship i mean very much duty very much it was that for oh. a lot of years brandon right. and we actually talked about that this week i just mm-hmm. said i can't believe we lived that long with it being something that i felt like i had to give him right but i didn't ever enjoy it right and so, it's it's just crazy to think that's i just assumed that was like that's how, how it, is. it was right, right? Sex is for the man, and especially for the the sex addict, right? Mm-hmm. So, so not only is sex um, not enjoyable or something that you have to do, it's kind of annoying and totally. Y- y- then all of a sudden, and not not in your case because you didn't have sex, but with betrayal, the the partner goes out and has sex with somebody, or or. Uh, has sex in their mind with somebody on their computer. Mm-hmm. Now sex represents even more so something that's painful and hard and difficult because now the partner's gone out and betrayed you sexually, right? So it's compounded now. Sex is something that I'm obligated to do and it's something that he went and did and it hurts me that he went and did it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think right? it also breeds fear. Uh, how many women have I talked to who their husbands have gone out and done this or the wife and they fear for sexually transmitted diseases. That too. Like bringing that into the home without, mm-hmm. you know, honesty is scary. Right. I mean, Especially if you're like going to have, if you're, if you're still having family, still having kids. Right. Yeah. So there's so many implications of this that just, um, I don't know, are indicative of just deep, like you said, like multidimensional layers of betrayal. Right. So as we're talking about this, I think we're getting a good picture of, you know, sex turns into this thing that is is nasty, scary, horrible for the individual who's who's in a relationship. And and it's the same for the addict. Sex is this thing that's shameful, um, that they don't know how to control. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel selfish, and so it's it, although they're desiring sex and they want that release, they also have a lot of messed up feelings around healthy sex as well. Totally. So you mix those these dynamics together in a relationship, and sex is problematic. It's not helpful in a, in a relationship, it's and that's not work. how it's supposed to be. It's a source of angst, right? I mean, it's just like of, of of conflict and angst, and just there's it's it's totally void of harmony, right? And and healthy sex is all about harmony, <laughs> right? Oh man! So here's the good news: is this is fixable. Um, this can be overcome, but it's it's a process and it's difficult, and it takes patience and it takes kindness and it takes um, loving the other person. And as 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 you get into recovery, as you get into recovery individually, and as, as you get into recovery as a couple, you'll realize that a healthy sex life is absolutely something that you can have. Okay, so let's talk about the first steps toward it. And I think what's super important about what you just described is is if if you're listening right now, because I can remember this, Brandon, is if you're listening right now and you're thinking like, man, this is like what they just described is like so us. Part of the process of having a new 
life sexually is the necessity of the old sex life dying. Yes. It, yes. it must die and go away and it must be redefined. And, and I, that's really what you're talking about, but everything that you knew, it has to be, you have to let go of. And I, I know I'll tell you this too, that that was an actual knows, you know, to which experience I'm referring is I had a, an hour long phone call before I really like, this was like the really big mental commitment for me in, in recovery. I had it with my sponsor and I was so, so, so afraid about letting go of sex mm-hmm. because I think a sex fast was on the table in group. And I was like, maybe this is something we need to talk about. But I was like freaked out and resi- for 30 minutes of the 60 minute call I was resisting like, but what, what is it going to be like? Are we ever going to have sex? Is it, is it, gonna, will she reject me? I, I mean, is, is it something that's just never going to happen again? I was so freaked out by all kinds of unknowns because it was hanging on to this, this immensely unhealthy definition of what sex was. But minute 30 took place and something happened and a, and a, and a switch flipped in my head and then I just sobbed and it was really, and I sobbed for 30 minutes and it was really just the release of, of letting go of that old life right? of what sex was going to be like and the, the, the definitions of what it was and everything that I knew, which, which in truth I really didn't want either. <laughs> Let's just be honest because I knew that it was unhealthy. It was just all that I knew and it was scary. Right. So in as much as we're asked, we're, we're saying it's possible for this new life to be um, redefined and to be recreated. It's facing that fear. It's facing the fear of saying everything that you have known must die right. and you must Part of it dying is you letting it go if you're the addict. And but it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. For the betrayed, it's, I think, one of the biggest steps into gaining that trust and safety back. Because it's a very vulnerable thing to put yourself into. And if you don't totally feel there, it's scary. Right, right. That's a good point. I, I tell my guys, um, I, you know, they, they're always complaining about not having enough sex and... And, and ask them, tell me if I'm wrong, but I tell them, you know, guilt tripping your wife or, um, forcing her through just like making her feel bad or whatever, manipulating her. That doesn't really turn her on. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) It doesn't really work that way. No, I used to call Kobe, you're a bully. You're a bully. Right. That, that is, that is not healthy. So, um. So yeah, so your point is a very good point. First, you need to kind of grieve the loss of your old way of thinking, right? And open up a new paradigm about sex. Sex yeah. is not um, something that, that is just yours. Sex is not um, something that you use to soothe your emotions and you use the other person for that. That's such right? a key way of saying it, Brandon, because yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Just like a blanket can be soothing to the soul. That's what sex was for me. Think about sex as intimacy. When, if you think about, you know, some people interchange intimacy and sex. It's they're, they're two different things, very different. Yeah. Um, and if you think about intimacy, what what's the difference between intimate sex and just sex? You're saying, look into me, <laughs> Come, like be vulnerable. Here's me. I'm giving you. Whereas sex, not that way. The, the sex old way is very, ways, void very of just it. like showing up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Checking a box. <laughs> yeah. So so if you think if if you're if you go after intimate sex in your relationship, that means sex that is about two of you, not about one of you. And it, it there's some kind of connection there. Um it, it emotional, spiritual, physical connection there. 
and it's not just one person needing a release, mm-hmm. right? So one of the first steps is to let go of the old way of thinking and to own that you've done that in your marriage and to, to face that reality. Um, the next thing is to back off a little bit from the way that you're, you've done it in the past and, um, and get mindful of, of and, and learn as much as you can about healthy sex in a marriage. And the first step to healthy sex in a marriage is, is to start to create trust and safety again. So there's, so healthy sex starts with nothing physical and nothing sexual. Absolutely. It starts with safety and trust. Right. So it's an emotional thing. Something as simple as being an honest person is very good for your sex life because you're creating safety and trust. Um, being an empathetic person, being consistent in your marriage, your you, you know your spouse will know you. You're honest. You're empathetic. They know you're connected to them. Um, so if you got big secrets and things that you're hiding, um, trying to manipulate your spouse, you're in a lot of denial. Then you're breaking down the foundation of of trust in your relationship, and you're destroying a healthy sex life. And and you, something you just said is like super super important. Uh, many things that you just said were <laughs> super important, but but one specifically is is your partner in order to really develop safety and trust. Your partner has to know you, right? Okay. That, now that is from the perspective of the addict, and this is a peek behind the curtain of addiction for the betrayed. But that's a super scary prospect for the addict because I was afraid of anybody seeing me for who I really was because the fear of being rejected for the authentic. Kobe was so real and paralyzing that I didn't even know what honesty with myself was, let alone honesty with anybody else. So that in and of itself is super, super scary. And so if that, if that in any way causes uh, you to jump or a knee jerk, then let that be a cue that you first, before, before you even think about sex and before you think about safety and trust, you have to be able to, to be willing to embrace you for who you are because it's likely if your partner's still around, they already have. Right, right. But you bring up a really good point. Intimacy minus vulnerability is not intimacy. Um, vulnerability plus addiction has a really hard time existing, right? It, it kills it. That, 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 I mean, how yeah. can you be in Because there's be so vulnerable. much shame. There's yeah. so much shame there that you don't want to be vulnerable. And so you'd rather just get sex, the, you know, the unconnected, unintimate way, because you're scared to actually open up and be you and be vulnerable because you're scared of that rejection. So it's a really good point, and that's a hard cr- corner to turn um, when you're in early recovery because the addict is still s- struggling with so much shame that t- for them to, to consistently be honest, to be empathetic, to be open is really scary. So it's going to take a risk if you want healthy sex in your relationship. Even a healthy risk with yourself, let alone your partner. But if you have the right help, that, what Brennan just described, is completely possible. You learn how to be open. You learn how to be honest. You learn how to own your stuff. I learned right? that in group. Group therapy is one of the oh best my places gosh. to do it. Yep. Like, I learned to... Kobe's just taking a minute. I learned to love myself because six other guys and Amy, my therapist, loved me first before I actually learned to love myself. And learning to love myself and accept me for who I was was the key 
for developing the safety and the trust that I have with Ashlyn. Absolutely. Yep. It's going to be really hard to do this on your own to, to gain that, that self-worth so that you can be vulnerable in a relationship and, and you need to do that first. Um, before you go to your spouse and say, please answer my question. Please tell me I'm enough by having sex with me. I need to know that I'm enough by my, through my connection to God, through my connection to others, so that I can show up and love you and, and, and be intimate with you. And so, that, yeah, I think I've never, I've never kind of put those together. Group therapy actually helps your sex life, right? Yeah. Being, learning how to be vulnerable Learning. Just don't expect a real immediate connection. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a process, right? It totally is. Um, so, okay. So there's the basics. There's the build trust and safety. Okay. But we're, we're not done yet. The work goes on um, because there's trauma. And so there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be worked through. Um, there's trauma triggers. Um, the, the betrayed's brain is responding in a fight or flight way. Uh, a protection mode so um, she can get triggered in any moment and there's certain things that that you need to get to know your your spouse know your partner so that you can specifically create safety for her so let me give you some examples um things like having sex with the lights on now why would you do that any guesses like (laughs) uh guys are all visual if they want to like See, so so a lot of times spouses are triggered thinking, "Where's your head? Like, where's your mind? Have sex with your eyes open," um, because it, it helps the spouse know, "Hey, you're here with me, mm-hmm. and they're connected to you." Right? Um, if she's triggered, you know, right right before you engage and and you're ready to go, be willing to say, "Okay, I'll take like I'll take a few steps back here." Um, I'll be patient. I want to make sure you're in a safe place because this isn't just about me. I want you to be here with me. And so to be able to to control yourself and and have patience in those moments if she's triggered, she might just need to talk through it a little bit um, and and then she'll, she's, she knows she's there with you. What um, you just described, though, Brennan, is like super key because what – it's being mindful before the process even starts. It's having the commitment to say, okay, so if, if we're going to engage sexually in any way, I've got to make sure that I'm mindful of, of my motives. Yes. Of my emotions. Right. That are behind this desire to have sex with one. Because, because I'm really a big believer that it's totally healthy for me to sexually desire my wife. Absolutely. If I desire all parts of her and I'm willing to give all of me to her as well. However, being mindful and committed to be being committed to be mindful in, in every part of the moment. So that if Ashlyn says, and it's happened where it's like, okay, guess what? Something just went sideways and we need to just stop. That's happened with us. And and I was totally okay with that Mm -hmm. because it's like, what's more important is to maintain safety and trust and a willingness to, um, to, to do what's best for us. And honestly, as the, the other side of the betrayed, being able to be honest with yourself and your spouse, mm-hmm. that's huge because the moment I dared say, I feel triggered or I don't, I'm not here, my head's somewhere else. 
because it happens to us too. Whereas mm-hmm. my head is going to assuming a lot of things right. and going to stories or whatever of what I assumed he, where he was. Absolutely. And yes. so for me to be able to be honest enough in that moment when things are supposed to be going really great and to say, you know what, I'm not, this isn't working for me. And for him to show up and be empathetic and say, we can stop. Right. That was huge right. for me because right. he was always such a, a pushy, totally. you know, right. bully. Need, what's in it, what's need in it for fix. me? Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Uh, you know, it's not unhealthy for the betrayed to every time they engage sexually, um, at least after the, you know, right after the betrayal, to stop and check in with yourself and ask yourself a few questions. You know, why am I doing this? Is it because I feel fear? Because if the answer is I, I feel fear and that's why I'm doing it, then it's probably not a good idea to engage, right? So am I doing this to try to control him? I'm worried that he's going to act out. Am I doing this because I want to feel like I'm enough and I want him to want me, right? If those are, if you answer yes to those things, then then stop for a minute and think about whether or not you, you want to continue on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am I doing this out of love? Do I feel connection? Do I feel safety with my partner right now? And if those, if those things are there, then okay, you got the green light, right? It kind of kills the romance a little bit to stop and get mindful. But it preserves the foundation of romance yes. that you really want, which is intimacy. Yes. Which is, I'm, I mean, I mean, if you think of it this way, it's like your partner is asking for a life preserver, a lifeline in a very vulnerable and scary moment. And you have the ability, if you're the, if you're the addict, listen to what I'm saying. You have the ability to be there when they need help. Absolutely. And just because they're, you're, you're skin to skin and you're, and you're sexually intimate doesn't mean they can't be scared out of their minds. But you can yes. be that person that can, that can help them in that moment and be there for them. Absolutely. In fact, you're the most important person to help them yeah. in that moment. That person. The, you need to be, yeah. It's possible for you to be that person. No matter what your history has been, you can be that person. You say, I'm so in the moment. That we can stop. But she needs to know, and, and, and this will help her feel so safe. She needs to know that having sex with her is not more important than her. Yeah. Right? That's really good. Yeah. So, and if she knows that, then she knows you love her, and you're not just using her and consuming her, right? So, um, okay, I want to just ask a couple of things and, and talk about healthy sex, because... Well, I don't want to paint the picture of in order to have healthy sex, you need to come together and there's candles in the room and, you know, it's a spiritual, um, connected four hour event. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Um, some, if, if that, if that happens, great, right. That's, that's healthy sex. Um, you're all, you're mindful and you're connected and, um, but is a quickie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. A nooner? <laughs> a nooner. A nooner. Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. Um, That's good for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know all the terms, Cody. So. Um, a quickie's okay, but, but listen, it depends on how it's done, right? So what if one person wants a quickie? Is that healthy? I've stumped him, you guys. No, I would say... For us, we've talked about this before, and we, we've always chosen to be like we're on the same page. Yeah. And so if one of us is really not there and isn't interested in getting there, mm-hmm. then... 
Okay. I, it's it's in, in our in our opinion, what's what's okay for us is is okay, Ashlyn, like I'm thinking about a nooner. What are your thoughts? And if she's not there, it's like, okay, great. Right. No worries. We can, you know, move on to the next thing. It's no big deal. Right. Give ourselves permission to say, no thanks. Right. And Which, it's being okay. Yes. Um, no needs to be an option for sure. That, that, that needs to be in no every ma- in every marriage that I can say no and, and we're it's okay. okay. And we're And fine. you're not rejected and, and it's not the world's no. ending. And, and that's, that's <laughs> a super important part. And, and speak, Cause it speak always was, that. it was for Kobe. If I ever said no and that was I rejection, think that's where that, um, trauma comes from, right. you know, that you feel like you have to, even if you don't want to. And so the ability that we've been, we've taken is to say, I don't, I don't feel like it right now. I'm not feeling, I'm too busy. I've got this or whatever. It's okay. And he right. doesn't let it own the rest of his day. Absolutely. He's yeah. like, Ugh, my wife doesn't want me. Right. Yes. She's rejecting me, which is complete rubbish. Cause I would, <laughs> and it goes both you. ways by the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's true. Although right. that doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen as often. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so I do. I agree with you, Ashlyn, in that both partners need to need to like be there, so to speak. Um, but if one partner isn't necessarily horny or feeling it or wanting it right then, but she feels connected, she feels love, she fit, she has the time to do it, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, "Why not? Sure, um, I'm not doing this out of fear." I'm not doing right. this out of obligation. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Right? Mm-hmm. Right. She doesn't need to be totally in that same place where he is in mm-hmm. order to engage sexually. Right? So do you, do you see the difference? Oh, yeah. There's not, sure. It's not fear-based sex. It's healthy, connected It's connection-based sex, sex. That might be a little more about the physical in that moment than the spiritual or emotional or whatever, however else you're connecting. Mm-hmm. But that's okay mm-hmm. as long as both partners are okay with it. And right? it really, what, what, I'm, what I'm hearing you say is that's, if even though the woman or the man for that matter might not be feeling this swelling of, of, of sexual desire as a byproduct of being emotionally connected from previous moments earlier that day, the day before the week of that's still going to be okay for them to say, yeah, I'm willing to like engage in this with you because I feel connected. Absolutely. Yes. So the as long as they're being do, honest with that, yeah, the, right? the, the work that the work that's done to develop and maintain emotional, psychological, you know, all, all these layers of intimacy can still have residual effect. When it comes to sexual Absolutely. intimacy. But I want, uh, you got to be a little bit careful. So let's say it's Valentine's Day. It was just Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And he buys you chocolates and your favorite flowers and watches your favorite movie with you and does all the dishes and vacuums and watches the kids and does everything, mm-hmm. right? And so you're feeling a little bit like, well, I kind of owe him. Oh, yeah. Right. I had a lot of women reach out this week saying that because it was Valentine's. Like, my expectations, I think, are so different than his, and I'm so scared. Right. That So if you kind of owe him and you're so scared and he has these expectations, you can say no. Yeah. Um, and, and a man in real recovery, a man who loves you, will have done the dishes just because he loves you. Not because he did the dishes to show you he loves you so he can get sex out of it. Right. Right. Um, when you say it like that, it's like, duh. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. seems obvious, but in those moments, it's yeah, not you don't so notice. obvious. Yeah. yeah, That's the difference between checking boxes and, and really owning intimacy. Absolutely. Like really loving your spouse. So um, it's a process. So this, you know, it, it, 
the, the overcoming the anxiety, overcoming the betrayal. Um, what I mean by that is maybe you need to do some trauma work. Maybe mm-hmm. you need to do some EMDR work in a therapy group. Um, like just get yourself as healthy as you can so that then you can have healthy intimacy in your relationship. Yeah. Um, because if you're not healthy, then you're not going to be healthy together. Yeah. Right. Right. I would, I, I don't know. I, I have a couple of thoughts that I wanted to, to just speak and having some guidance from the legend here will be helpful. <laughs> I think. <Please> stop. <laughs> Uh, it's so great it's so great okay but but in truth though it's like okay if i feel if i feel really anxious that sex not having sex equals ashlyn rejects me and and i feel and i feel that for instance if that statement sex equals love and when my wife doesn't have sex with me i feel rejected if that speaks to you if you're listening and that speaks to you that's something that i that i want to challenge you to share with your partner because that, if that has some emotional charge to you, when my wife doesn't have sex with me, when my husband doesn't have sex with me, I feel rejected, then that's something that's worth sharing because then they're going to know not, okay, I can't reject you. They're going to know, like, uh, I have a fear of you not loving me if we don't have sex, which really means I have a definition that sex equals love, which is a scary thing to even admit out loud. Right, but you got to be but careful can, with what you're saying because what we don't want them to do is go to their spouse and say, if you reject me, I don't feel loved. So therefore, totally. you better not reject totally. me. Totally. But right? my point is to say is is that's like that's like a misdefinition doesn't foster intimacy. No. But that's but if you can say, "Hey, listen, I want you to know I've been operating against this definition and we both can know having listened to this episode. <laughs> this is an unhealthy thing." I'm just going to speak it. What's, what? Yeah, like and what say would be that. really healthy or good would would to own it and say, "Look, I have used you and I've consumed you for my self worth. Yes, and my self worth doesn't come from you. I want to love you. I don't want to use you anymore. And and so when I've used you and I felt rejected and like my self worth has come from you having sex with me." I own that, that 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 that's not how how it needs to be in our relationship. Yes, right? and it's not saying on you. that. Right? Yeah, saying that. I think is going to be a, a great way to begin rebuilding uh, the, the building blocks of safety and trust in your relationship because you're getting honest with yourself, but you're also being vulnerable with your partner and sharing that. Right. Right. And, and I, I just, I can't. I mean, as soon as we had that conversation, that I, okay, I really said it out loud, Ashlyn. Sex equal love for me, or I had sex because I was like stressed. That was hard to admit, right. but it was really important yeah, to for admit. Both of us. Right. And I, I, I think that's a great opportunity to, to build some intimacy. Yeah. Part of the process. So I did some EMDR um, trauma therapy for some of this stuff for, for my own benefit and for Kobe's. And so that was really helpful. Um, we've also done a sex fast, which is another episode that we've um, shared. I don't remember a while which back, one. couple months ago. Yeah. yeah which is a really, it was a really great thing for us. We were also um, had an in-house separation. But after that, that whole idea of the sex fast, it really fostered what Kobe brought up in the beginning, which was to dissolve the old and to really recreate something, not recreate, create something Something new that was beautiful, that was so different than anything we'd ever experienced. And I think that happened after, what, 15, 16 years? Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Right. <laughs> so here, here's a question for you guys. Is sex a need for a healthy relationship? I think so. Okay. Yeah. You think so? I actually think so as well. Um, 
But sex is not a need for a relationship. I can be in a relationship with somebody and not need to have sex with them to have a relationship. But when it comes to a committed romantic relationship, part of intimacy is physical connection and sexual connection. Um, so, I mean, would you remove spiritual connection from your relationship? Would you mo- remove emotional connection? No. The, your, your relationship would be void of something. Yeah. Right? And so working toward a healthy sex life and a healthy sexual connection is, in my opinion, just as important as connecting emotionally and spiritually. Um, and so it, it, it is, you can have a relationship without sex. You can stay married and raise kids. And I, I've, I've, I know a couple who didn't have sex for 40 years. Yeah. I, I said 40 years. Yeah. Four zero. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're married for 40, for, for like 50 years. So, um, it wasn't a healthy relationship. They're missing out on something so important. And, um, so yeah, so it's, it's something that, that doesn't, you know, just shutting it down and saying it's too difficult. It's too hard. I don't want it in our relationship. That's, that's not healthy either. And so if you're stuck there, you know, I, I tell couples I work with, you know, he'll come in and say, she, she never wants to have sex with me. And um, if she's working toward figuring herself out so that she she can be vulnerable again, and if he's working toward figuring out how to create safety for her and, and trust again, then they're going to start to reengage again. But he needs to at least know that she's moving in that direction, that, that she's trying. If she's just shutting down and saying no, then she's she's not wanting to work on that, and want and, and he's going to fill this void, or, or vice versa. We talked about sexual anorexia. Yeah, um, it's 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 the same thing, right? And so, um, so yeah, sex is a very important part of a healthy relationship. Yeah. If you uh, resonate with anything that I've said today, I want to challenge you first to um, to admit to yourself and be honest with yourself that sex equals love and sex equals stress relief. Both of those definitions are super unhealthy. And the best thing to do, which is really what we want. I mean, ultimately, what I wanted was connection with you, Ashla. Right. I wanted connection. I wanted my soul to be soothed. And the best way to be able to do that was to identify the emotions and the situations that caused me that, or that, that caused me stress, that caused me to feel, to face those emotions and to express those emotions to you. Right. And so before you ever consider having sex again, I would say... Make sure that you evaluate what emotions you're actually feeling so that way you can express those and realize that sex isn't the means to having relief from those as much as you might think that is. It's really just connection emotionally with your partner yeah. that will help you feel the relief that you actually want and the connection that you desire. Have sex turn into a symptom of a very healthy relationship, not a destroyer in your relationship, mm-hmm. right? Not something that causes pain and fear and all of those things. So good topic, super complex, yeah. but doable, yeah, right? For sure. So have hope that change is possible, guys. Absolutely. One step at a time. It's a process. Focus on the process, not on the outcome. That's oh, it. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Be like Elsa and let it go. On, <laughs> <laughs> me off guard that one, Cody. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace out. Thanks for being here. All right. See you.